Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed with him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we come before you today, Lord, as ignorant men and women. We have learned some things, but we look to you, God, for understanding. And we ask, Lord, that you would provide that through your spirit today as it touches and blesses our heart, God, and as you impart to us the word of life. We pray, Lord, that you'd help me and these lips in my mind to be able to handle your word with diligence today and that it might go forth and bear fruit. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I appreciate you standing so long. Today I want to preach on the title Getting on Board with Success. In the business world when we talk about getting on board with something we're usually talking about coming into an agreement with something, an idea or a plan or something like that. It means that we are in agreement with it. Maybe we wasn't in agreement at first, but to get on board with an idea means that you are backing that idea. You are supporting that effort or whatever it is. And in the religious world, it is the basis for our fellowship with one another. In fact, it's based on fellowship. The word fellowship basically means that you're in agreement with one another. And uh, it brings me to the understanding that nobody can have true success in this world without having Jesus on board. As I talk to, to people and I've been talking and preaching 
routinely about being better, not bigger. And my desire is that we would learn how to handle the Word, that we would learn how to minister, that we would give it all of our heart and put our understanding into it and do the best possible job that we can do. I believe God expects that of us. But sometimes even when you've given it all, even when you put it all out there, you can't be successful unless you have got on board with success. Jesus has got to get into your boat as he did with Peter here. Amen? Now, I've talked about that, today's message. We're, we want to take a look at success from the perspective of Simon Peter. We've already talked about him in our Sunday school lesson. We find that, amen, we took a, a look at the end of his ministry from the time that Jesus had resurrected and maybe a little bit, a glimpse of his work before that. But today I want to look at Peter's call. When Jesus first called Peter. Now we realize that Peter had a lot to learn. Peter made a lot of mistakes. Peter messed up. He was rebuked many times. He denied Jesus. He even rebuked Jesus. He was pretty bold. But here we're going to take a look at when Jesus first come, how Jesus got into his boat and changed Peter's life. If we can get into agreement with God in our life, if we can get into agreement with God in our church, and in our world, God will bless our efforts and we will be successful. But as I have pointed out already this morning, we don't always understand success. I talked about how we might be able to overcome the spirit of poverty through the spirit of greed. And I know there were some folks didn't understand that message. Sometimes I throw things like that out there just to get your attention. How in the world can you overcome poverty with greed? And I pointed out that the pure definition of greed simply means you're wanting more than you really need. There's nothing wrong with wanting more than a person needs because you can't help others if you only have enough to get by yourself. And I believe that God's church is living far below their potential and their ability in the world today. I feel like we're like that old fellow with the cracker sandwich on the cruise. We accept far less than we know that we can get through Jesus Christ. But I don't want people to misunderstand and think that if, you don't, if you're not rich, you're not blessed by God. That's why I brought the widow's might out. I don't know 
I have never heard of this widow at any other time in the Word of God. I have to conclude that her greatest accomplishment in life was giving in one offering. And it wasn't much that she gave. But Jesus said she gave more than all the rest because she gave her all. And from that point of view, she was a very successful person because she gave her all, even though it wasn't much. That's what God expects from us. He expects us to give his all. But we can't do that. I want you to know, church, you may desire to do things, but you cannot do them unless you are on board with success. And what I'm talking about is Jesus is success. He's the master of success. Nobody will ever be successful in this life without Jesus. And if you just think for a moment, is there anything that you could accomplish in this world? Name one person that has accomplished something great in this world. And I'll show you a person that was a total failure toward the end of their life. Everybody fails in this life. Elvis Presley was a great singer. But he eventually became fat and hooked on drugs or whatever it was. In the end, you could not say that he was a success, even though people today still visit and talk about him. And some even worship him. But folks... If Elvis could stand before you today, he could say, nobody can be successful in this life without Jesus Christ. Your beauty is vain. Your hard work is vain. Your great accomplishments is vain. Your money is vain. If you don't have Jesus in your boat, then you are not a success. So I don't want nobody to misunderstand anything that I'm preaching. When I say success, I'm talking about success in the point that God, you have been able to fulfill what God has called you to do. And if God only called you to make one offering in your life, but that's the best thing you've ever done, then I want you to know that they will be singing about you in glory. The woman that broke open the alabaster box and anointed her Lord's feet and washed his feet with her tears and her hair, the Bible said that this would be spoken about, uh, the things that she did. But some thought that all her efforts was nothing but waste. She wasted her life away. She wasted this precious ointment. Jesus didn't see it as waste. He saw it as great success because she got on board with success. She come into agreement with Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe God has called his people to be successful. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail. 
And I believe we need to get on board with that idea. If you're on board with me, say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you're tired of being the tail and not the head, say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you're tired of being underneath everything and not on top of everything, say amen. amen. All we need to do if we want to get on board with this ideal is let Jesus get on board with you. And that's what happened to Peter. From the moment he heard the message that Jesus was preaching, his life began to change. And I want you to know it never was the same from that day forward. And I want you to know whether you give in to the Lord's message or whether you walk away and deny him, your life will never be the, the same if you've ever heard the message coming from God. You may hear me today, but my prayer is that you will hear Jesus in this message. Taking a look at, at uh, Peter's call, the first thing we discover is that Peter was not called in success. He was not a successful fisherman. It doesn't matter what he's done all his life. He may have been successful all his life. But when Jesus met him, he was in defeat. Unfortunately, that's the way we all seem to come before the Lord. He comes at a time when we are down and out. He comes at a time when we are frustrated and resolved to throw up our hands and quit. He always comes just at the time that he's needed. I was talking to Sister Tammy today. We were talking about that same thing. Isn't it strange how God will come into your life at the worst possible time? Talking about somebody being in jail and they're all of a sudden beginning to listen to God. I said, sometimes he's got to get you in a place where you can't back out. Sometimes he's got to get a captive audience where he can talk to you. You know, that's what it took for the prodigal son to realize he needed to come home. It took a downward trend. It took a hog pen experience before he could ever put on the white robe and wear the ring on his fingers. He had to have a bad experience with life. But I'm so glad today that when you are at your lowest, that's when Jesus comes and he lifts you up out of the miry clay and he gets in with your problems and he will change your life if you let him. If you let him. So he was called from a life of defeat. He was washing his nets. I call that the net of defeat because there was nothing in there. I don't know what he was getting out of them nets, probably boots and fishing rods. I don't know, whatever you pick up, stuff that was junk. Batteries, flashlights, whatever. Some of my fishing trips have resulted in some of the same things. <laughs> Peter had fished and had caught nothing. I suppose... 
He was a good fisherman. I believe Peter learned to rely on his strength. He learned to handle things as they come. He learned to make decisions. Being a fisherman is not an easy life. He was rough. He was calloused. He could handle defeat. He could handle sorrow. He probably didn't even cry. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't hurting down inside. Jesus come to him at such a time. You know, Peter was so proficient. He was persistent. He was stubborn. He didn't know when to quit. The Bible says he had fished all night. He didn't give up at 5 o'clock and go home. He fished all night long, and when the day broke, he was still unsuccessful. What do you do when everything you've done, all your efforts, end in loss? And you have nothing to show for all your hard work. It's got to be the most frustrating time of all. But in the midst of his defeat, as he sat there cleaning out that empty net, washing it, he began to hear in a distance the voice of one preaching. And you know how that, that is when you're hearing somebody in the distance and you're, you're paying attention to something else. You hear a voice, but you don't pay attention to it. But as he began to think about the day and the loss and the problems of his life, he began to listen more and more to that voice. See, the Bible says it's a still, small voice that comes to us in a time of need. We don't always hear it. But God is always telling us the way to go. Amen. We may go to the left or right, but there's a voice behind us, the Bible says, that tells us the way we should go. And I believe that we listen to that voice. We can get into agreement with God. So he first hardly noticed anything at all. But the longer Peter listened to Jesus speaking, the more he began to be curious of what the Lord was saying. But I want you to know Jesus was listening too. See, Peter wasn't saying nothing. He wasn't crying out. But Jesus could hear Peter's heart crying out in distress. I believe God hears us sometimes even when we don't even mention anything, when we don't pray. The people, in, God's people, when they were in Egypt and they were in bondage, God said he heard the cry of the people. They had been in bondage for 70 years, but God heard their cry. And he sent Moses to lead them out of their bondage. Now Jesus come down and asked. He asked Peter if he might use his boat. He prayed with him. I like to say he prayed with him. <laughs> That's what it said. He prayed with him. 
But he, I wanted to know if he could use Peter's boat. Sometimes God comes to us asking us for something. Because he's wanting to bless us. But he can't bless us until we're willing to give him what he wants. We have to be in agreement. Draw near to me, he said, and I'll draw near to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. God wants something from you today. So he says, Peter, could I use your boat? I just need to go out a little ways and use that boat to speak to these people. Some people say they were having a hard time hearing Jesus. But Peter was hearing him. Peter heard him. I don't believe that Jesus come to get Peter's boat so they could hear him better. I don't believe he was trying to get away from the people. Jesus was trying to get to something that day. He was trying to get to somebody that was in need. He was trying to get to Peter. Amen? He wasn't trying to get closer to the multitude. He was trying to get closer to the audience, the one out of the multitudes that was truly listening to what he had to say. That's why I believe God will come to us in a crowd. Oh, Zacchaeus, amen, was a little man, but he climbed up into that little sycamore tree. I want you to know in all the crowd, he couldn't get close to Jesus, but Jesus came to where he was. God will always come to where you are. Doesn't matter how low you have sucked. Doesn't matter what kind of sin you've been in. He will come to you in your hour of need. Oh, hallelujah. You know, just as Jesus come to the woman at the well and he asked her for a drink of water, he wasn't trying to quench his thirst that day. He was trying to quench the thirst of a woman that had lived her life in sin and had been abused and neglected and taken for granted by everybody around her that she gave to. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you something to drink today. I'm going to quench your thirst if you'll just give me a drink of your water. God's looking for us to give him something in order to bless us. Now, what did Jesus do right after that? Ooh. Amen. He began to challenge Peter. First, he asked him for a little something. Give me a little drink. Let me just get in your boat for a little while. Amen. Jesus has got a way of growing on you. You know that? <laughs> Amen. Sometimes we think we got enough of him, <laughs> but he ain't got enough of us yet. See? He, he wants all of us. He wants all of you. Now, at first, he tells Simon, thrust out a little bit, Simon. Don't go too far out. Just go out a little ways. Let me preach to these folks. Let me ask you this. Where was Peter 
Where was Simon while Jesus was preaching? In the boat. He had a captive audience. Amen. Peter couldn't get away. He was Steve. There in jail. See, sometimes he gets us into a corner and we don't know what to do. We back up and our back is to the wall and we say, where do I go from here? There ain't no other place to go but to Jesus. And he began to preach. And then soon he got through saying what he wanted to say to the multitudes, which most of them were probably up there asleep anyway. You ever notice in a church service, amen, maybe one or two is really listening. The rest are kind of fumbling around and talking about what they're going to do and things like that. Their mind, even when they're looking right at you, their mind is far away. But see, God wasn't wanting Peter's mind. He was wanting Peter's heart because he was touching something. He was pushing Peter's buttons, and he got into the boat with him. Let me tell you something. If you let Jesus in your boat, then you have just invited success into your life. If you let Jesus be the pilot of your vessel, then he will take you places that, you, that will amaze you. But it's a challenge. Everything that God asks from this point Give me a little bit. He says, taste and see. He begins to want more. More of you. And some of us draw back. That's hard to do, Sister Stenning, isn't it, when, when you're in the boat with him? Mm-hmm. But then comes the challenge. He says... Launch out into the deep now, Peter. Launch out into the He challenges us to go beyond where we have been before. To go to places no man has gone before. That's why I like Pentecost. Pentecost always challenges you to go higher. Like the ladder, holding up that ladder. What was the song you said that you need to go a little higher? Take another step, get higher and higher. There is no limit to how high you can go with Jesus Christ. You're tired of being beneath everything, then get on the ladder of success and you can go to the top. There is no glass ceiling there because the Lord will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Launch out into the, neat, the, to the deep, he says, and let down your nets. Now, there might have been several things run through Peter's mind because Peter, he's a lot like me. He likes to analyze everything. He's the kind of kid that if you bought him a toy, he'd tear it up just to see how it worked. That's the way I was. I'd prefer to tear my sister's toys up first. Okay see how they worked before I tore mine out. But that's the way I was. I like to analyze things. So I suppose Peter, being a lot like me, and me being a lot like him, he began to ask questions. He first of all probably thought, well, wait a minute, who is this guy, this preacher, trying to tell me how to fish? I'm the fisherman. 
I've been fishing all my life. This fella, probably the first time he's ever been in a boat. And he's trying to tell me how to fish. How many of you like to be told how to do something by somebody that you know they probably don't have any idea what they're talking about? I've had a few like, folks like that, even around here. Amen. I won't mention no names. But I imagine he, he began to wonder, a question, well, who is he to tell me how to fish? See, these are turnoffs. When God begins to challenge us, we want to draw back. We don't want to get in agreement. We don't want to uh, get on board with his ideas. He's got an ideal to launch out into the deep and let down your net. But Peter says, I don't know. What does he know about fishing? Now, the second thing that might have entered into his mind, how many of you know that the scripture said that it was the lake, the lake of Gennesaret? Well, that was just a lake, and he's saying, go out in the deep. How deep can a lake get? Hmm. Well, there was a problem. I don't know why Luke called it a lake. Actually, I probably do know why he called it a lake. See, Luke learned to live by faith and not by sight. If you look in uh, Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel and John's gospel, this little lake that Luke called a lake was a sea. It was the Sea of Galilee according to Matthew and Mark. But according to John, it was the Sea of Tiberias. Now, according to Josephus, which was a historian of the time, a Jewish historian, he said that this thing was 40 furlongs wide and 140 furlongs long. Tell me, Brother Stennett, how long is a furlong? about as long as this message. Now, <laughs> it's pretty furlong. In fact, that's where the word come from. The word furlong comes from the word long. Pretty far long. <laughs> but if we were to figure this out, eight furlongs made a mile. So this thing was five miles wide and almost 18 miles long. That was a pretty big lake. And it was a lake, uh, that the same lake that Jesus was on in which the storm came up and he walked on the water. Storms would come out of nowhere. And here Jesus is telling Peter to launch out into the deep. He's telling him to take a chance, take a risk. Amen. Launch out into the deep. Listen to what I'm telling you. He's challenging him to listen to his word, to be obedient to his word, even if it don't make any sense. Because Peter's thinking, hmm, this could be dangerous. Now, I know why Luke called it a lake. You see, when you're looking at faith and you know Jesus is the one telling you to do something, then a mountain can become a molehill. A sea can become a lake 
or a mud puddle, whatever the Lord wants it to be. You see, the storm was no problem to Jesus because he could walk upon the water. Amen. He could speak to the waves and calm the storm. And he can solve any problem that comes your way if we can only learn to listen to him and get on board with his idea. He wants to lead us to prosperity, to success. Now, thirdly, I think uh, Peter may have been thinking, I'm the captain of this ship. I call the shots around here. What are you doing trying to tell me where to go on my ship? What kind of captain turns over his vessel to another captain? I'll tell you who. Those that learn to trust Jesus Christ. When you come to Jesus and you give your life to Jesus and are saved through faith, I want you to know you are turning your vessel over to Jesus and sometimes he's going to challenge you to launch out into the deep and let down your net for a drought. You see, when Jesus is in your life, there is no risk and following Jesus. There is a risk, though, in not listening to what he has to say. Somebody give me an amen on that. Amen? Now Luke 5, 5 says, And Simon answering, When the Lord challenges you, he wants an answer. What will your answer be? And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. God don't always expect us to understand everything we're doing. But he does expect us to obey his word. To trust him. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your children. Trust him with your job. Trust him with your desires. Put it in his hands. The Bible says, cast all your need upon him, for he cares for you. Why should we be worrying about it? Folks, what happens when you trust the Lord? What happens when you get in agreement with him? The Bible says the two agree as to touching something on this earth and will believe in your heart that it's going to happen and not doubt what happens? You shall have. You will have it. So why not cast out into the deep? Why not launch out into the deep? Why not try to be a better church? Why not try to grow stronger in the Lord? Why not take another uh, ladder, a rung of the ladder, and climb up one more step? Why not take a step toward Jesus? He's challenging us to do that. Peter was just starting out. We talked about how he finished up. You know how he finished? Hanging upside down on a cross. Dying for Jesus. But as I said, you don't die for Jesus until you learn to die with him. Because you're in the boat with him. Whatever he asks you to do, he's always with you. He says, yea, 
I'm always with you even unto the end of the world. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Your net will never be empty as long as you've got success in your boat. Now, he also accepted something else. When you accept the call, you believe the word, you accept the challenges, you give your little token, then you must be ready to receive. You must be willing to accept the blessings that God wants to give you. That's why he says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse and prove me herewith if I will not pour you out a blessing. God is asking you to give a little so he can give a lot. You don't have to give a lot of trust, a lot of faith. The Bible says it can be as a grain as mustard seed, but God will make you successful if you're willing to trust him. What do we do when the blessings begin to flow? <laughs> well, let's just look at that for a minute. Peter, all of a sudden, began to experience the greatest success of his life. It was a life-changing experience. He had never caught that many fish in his life. There was so much it broke the nets and begin to sink the boat that he was in. He had to call for somebody else to come and help him. If that ain't God pouring up your body, if that ain't pressed down, shaking together, running over, I don't know what is. But God always gives in abundance. Let down your net. Cast out into the deep and let down your net for a drought. Take the challenge and be willing to accept the reward as it comes your way. He said he'll pour it out there. You won't have room to receive it. Now, Peter's boat was full. His net was full. And everybody around him got full. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but that's abundant life to me. That's a way to get out of poverty. Poverty is only taking your cracker and eating it down in the hole of the ship when you could be enjoying the great blessings of God if you get up on deck somewhere and enjoy the party that's going on. Are you with me? Are you on board with this idea of getting better? <laughs> that's all I'm asking you because I believe the Lord's already waiting the ship is there, on board. Amen. Ready or not, the ship is getting ready to sail, and we need to get on board with it because God wants to bless us. But he's asking you to give. Give a little. We must be willing to give him a little. Suddenly, this was a dream come true. Is that not what God's going to do? Is that not what prosperity is? It is your deepest, greatest vision or dream coming true. It was Moses being able to climb to the mountain and see the promised land. Oh, he didn't get to possess it. But God let him see it. His dream come true. What is it that you're dreaming about? What is it that you desire most? out of this life. You're not going to get it without Jesus. I'll tell you that.
You won't get it. You may think you can get somewhere, but you're not going to get it. You cannot be successful if Jesus ain't on board. Now suddenly though, in the midst of all this fish, in the midst of all this abundance, and all the people jumping up and down for joy, it's like being at a Pentecostal service. I imagine they were rolling in the boat. They were probably falling out of the boat. They were having a good time. They had never had a harvest like that. But in the midst of all this, Peter got his greatest blessing of all. He realized for the first time who was in the boat with him. Folks, and if you can get your eyes on that, I tell you, it'll change your life. When it's all said and done, it ain't the fish. They got him all changed. It wasn't the prosperity, the money, the blessings. The greatest blessing of getting Jesus on board is having Jesus on board. Amen. He looked at Jesus, realizing for the first time, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. When we see Jesus has all of a sudden partnered with us, then we see our unworthiness. Frequently, we don't want to accept those gifts. But folks, Peter found something better that day. You know what Jesus told him? He says, come and follow me. And Peter was willing to leave everything. He was willing to leave his greatest dream behind. The best thing that ever happened to him in his life. And follow Jesus. But he didn't feel like he was worthy. The only thing he wanted to do is get out of the boat. Thank God. Lord, let me depart from... Don't, don't depart from me, Lord. Sometimes as God begins to bless us, we can't handle it. And we draw back on the Lord because of our unworthiness. Don't draw back. Draw near and praise God for what He's done for you. Yeah, among all them slippery old fish, He fell down on His knees like a Pentecostal. Didn't care where He was at, did He? He got on his knees. And he realized he was a sinner. He realized his shortcomings. And he realized he had nothing to do with catching these fish. Success was not in accomplishments. It was in who he received into his boat and who he was in agreement with. Church, I want you to know I serve the most successful entity the universe has ever known. I serve Jesus Christ. And whatever he does is successful. Can you take him into the boat with you today? As you leave today, are you going to say, depart from me? Or are you just going to fall on your knees among the fish and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner? You see, Peter eventually, 
had to get on board with Jesus. Because that's what Jesus come to fish that day. He didn't catch the fish. It's not what he was looking The biggest fish that was caught that day was Peter. <laughs> he was a fisherman. <laughs> and Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you fishermen of men. I'm going to show you something even greater than this. I want to show you what I can do through you because you're with me in the boat. And then he reached out his hand to Simon and he told him, Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's going to get better than this. <laughs> Simon was totally amazed by what the Lord had done that day. Jesus not only was teaching Peter something, but he was also removing his fears, removing his doubts, and he began to shape and mold Peter that day because Peter became a disciple. And not only did Peter become a disciple, but James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also left their nets. They could have had it all, but they said, uh -uh. And that's why Jesus asked Peter toward the end of his life, after he had lived these three and a half years with Jesus. And Jesus was about to go away. He asked him the question, Simon Barjona, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Three times he asked. All Jesus wants to know is are you on board with him? Do you love him? Or are you willing to accept his challenge? And I'm telling you what the challenge is today. If you have not let Jesus on board with you, if you have not surrendered your life to him, you need to do that. Your life is going to change no matter what. See, you can say, Lord, depart from me. And if the Lord had left Peter, Peter's life still would have never been the same. So why not let Jesus come into your heart and change your life? Folks, if you haven't made that decision, make it. And if you've made that decision, don't be afraid to accept the challenges of launching out into the deep because God just wants to bless you. Would you stand to your feet?